All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season capital H capital S all one word Hockey Season that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic all platforms Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, 
what have you. Zephyr Epic has all your trading card needs covered. So go check them out. The best part about Zephyr Epic, free shipping anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Maple Ridge to Mem Ram Cook. That took you a second. Well, I wanted to sound it out right because the way that it's it's written is kind of strange. Mem Ram Cook, New New Brunswick. I, I don't think anything's going to be come by chance, but I've got a little story about the last one we did, Porcupine Plain, but I'll, I'll hold off on that for now you because we're also stuff. delivered. I know you do. I got we're, some stuff on Mem Ram Cook here. Really? First. Yeah, real quick. Okay. It's uh, one of those French cities in New Brunswick. New Brunswick's got a bunch of uh, French cities. 4,700 population. They also have a beautiful little town hall that hosts nearly 15,000 books, including a small collection of English books. There are also magazines, music, movies, and get this. Is this a library? Get this. Two computers available to the public. Wow. So I'm I'm very happy you found all that out. Mem Ram Cook, New Brunswick. Okay. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code ConvoDD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, ConvoDD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Guadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place who canceled our golf plans today, Chris Faber. Yep. I am doing well, though. An excellent day yesterday, but first, tell me more about uh, Porcupine Palace or whatever Porcupine. it's called. <laughs> okay, so first of all, so uh, my 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 girlfriend was listening to the podcast, yeah, as she so often does, I hope, and she said, "Hey, the reason you know Porcupine Plain because I said to you before, I said, hey, do Porcupine Plain Saskatchewan because it's a funny name.'" She said, "The reason you know that is because that's where some of her family is from," and she was explaining this to me, and I guess for some reason it didn't click. <laughs> But that's why I had that on my mind, the Porcupine Plain name, the town. So mm. you talked about it on the last show, and you know we had Wyatt Arndt. That was a great episode. If you haven't listened to it already, go ahead and do that. Uh, lots of topical stuff still in that episode. But we talked about it a little, and and she gave me all these Porcupine Plain facts. Because I said, like, there's no Wikipedia page. So she was explaining to me that they have a museum for Quilly Willie, who is the mascot of Porcupine Plain. Wow. And they have a giant Quilly Willy statue, and she literally showed me a picture of her in front of the Quilly Willy statue at Porcupine Plain, Saskatchewan, and, and a lot of her family is there. It's it's actually, she's Ukrainian, ginormous Ukrainian population in Saskatchewan in general, but in Porcupine Plain, very Ukrainian, she said. Good pierogies um, probably, I bet. I, I bet. I bet there is. How um, big is this uh, Porcupine statue? Porcupine. You gotta pronounce that you, bud. No, ask them how they say it there. I I, I am sure <laughs> they pronounce porcupine correctly in the place where it's literally named after the animal. Um what did you ask me to figure out? How big's the uh the stat you said you saw a picture of your girlfriend yeah, beside it, it? It looks big. It looks like, you know, a little bit twice the size of her and she's like five seven, so okay. it's a it's a big statue, man. They're not messing around in porcupine plain. An eleven foot tall porcupine. Yes. So I don't like that word. Quilly Willy is the mascot there, and they have a museum with Quilly Willy related stuff in it. Okay, I know you wanted to speed through this because you got so much hockey talk. We got a lot to get to, but you've but, got a story because last okay. night you throw on Twitter, you go for a little, and I'm not going to tell your story, but you go for a, a Vancouver Canadians game. Michael Buble stopped at that game. He I'm did. sure you enjoyed that. He sang uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And he did a fantastic job. Yep. Too. The thing about that, I saw that video from the Canadians. The opposing pitcher was just warming up right behind his kids. Mm-hmm. 
tell you what, man. Wild pitch. And then you see at the end, Bob Brown Bear strategically goes and blocks one of his kids because, you know, a wild pitch, you know, ball in the dirt, things coming fast. I was worried when yep. I saw no, that. No, bears are very protective of their young. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. Um, I'm going to start from the top. This is a little bit of a, I don't know how long this story will be. I'll try and keep it pretty quick. But the end result was me winning $1,600 in a poker tournament yesterday. So I'm on Bodog which is where I bet. And if you're a betting site listening to this and you want me to bet on your site, I'll definitely switch. Just contact us uh, on Twitter or <laughs> Canucks Convo. But I was on Bodog and it was like, oh, we had technical difficulties. We're going to give you reward points. They have these reward points yeah, on yeah, Bodog. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have quite a few reward points. I've never used them, especially after this lump sum that was just given to me by Bodog. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll use it on this, uh, this thing here, the reward. It was like 50 plus five any. That's what it said for the reward. So I was like, okay, perfect. 55 bucks to spend on whatever sports I want to bet on. That's not what it was. The thing that I bought, like used my reward points on was an entry to a tournament, a poker tournament that was one of these 50 plus five entries. Oh boy. High stakes. So I enter this tournament because I'm like, I'm waiting for the money to come into my Bodog account. I'm like, oh, it's weird that this like 55 isn't being added. Let's, you know, throw it up, throw another money on, uh, on the avalanche winning the cup or something. Sure. Sure. Anyways. So I'm like, oh, so it's not showing up. And then I'm like, oh, man, I accidentally bought a f- like one entry to a $50 buy-in poker tournament, which I, I would never do. I don't have enough money to enter a $50 poker tournament. Anyways, I enter this poker tournament. This is about 1230 when I get this email. So one o'clock is when the poker tournament starts on Bodog. And things are going really good. Like things are going ridiculously good. I'm like winning every hand. Like two o'clock hits. I'm one hour into this tournament and I'm the chip leader of the whole tournament. 192 <laughs> people. I'm the chip leader. This is at like two o'clock and I keep going for like another hour. I'm still like chip leader going for another hour. I'm still chip leader. Still going, still going. I have a dinner to go to at five o'clock with the bosses from Sportsnet. So yes, the like head boss of Sportsnet is over here from Toronto visiting and he's taking out all the employees from Sportsnet 650 to go for some drinks uh, and then go to the Vancouver Canadians games after. I can't leave this freaking poker tournament because I'm like chip leader and the winner gets 7500 bucks. So I was like, okay, I got to stay in this tournament. Top 36 players get the money. And I'm like clearly going to get that for sure. Like numbers are dropping. It's about five o'clock now. I'm supposed to be at the dinner. There's only about 40 people left. I'm like, okay, I, I got to go. So I call an Uber or whatever, order an Uber. And like I get in the Uber, I'm still on my phone. And this poker tournament, I was like, okay, it's got to be over pretty soon. There's like 30 people left. We're all in the money. It's going to be good. No. So I get to the dinner like 45 minutes late. Don't even introduce myself to the Sportsnet like big boss <laughs> guy. Like, cause I, I honestly, I had bigger and better things to worry about. And it was that 7,500. Listen, he's not going to give me a $7,500 bonus. Ever. You're right. You're so right. I had to win this poker tournament. I sat down and like quickly explained to everyone, all the 650 guys were there and gals. And I explained to all of them, like, listen, I'm in a poker tournament. Sorry, but like, I got to do this. And at the same time, I'm like crushing drinks because like, <laughs> I'm so worried. I'm like, I've never, never been in a poker tournament this big. So things are working down. It gets down to like 12. I get to the final table and it's seven o'clock. Everyone's going to the C's game. And I'm like, I can't leave yet. So I stayed back with like Halford Drantz and Balak. Uh, and we were just like staying there having some drinks because I, I don't think Mike was uh, going to the game, uh, to the C's game. And then Balak ends up driving us over there, which was great. But at that point, I'm at the final table and like I get to the C's game. 
It's like 7.45. We're deep into the game. So I'm already six and a half hours deep into this game. Like, I'm still playing at the final table. We get down to the final three. Innings are going by. It's like 8.30. So at this point, I'm seven and a half hours into this poker game. I'm in third place. And I end up like, that's where I end up losing. Third place. Things started going real south uh, once I got to the series game, pretty much. Ended up finishing in third place. And then it's like, uh, you win $1,200. I was like, oh, sweet. So that's third place. That was also, I guess, in American because when it hit the the oh, Bodog account, man. it was like sixteen hundred and twenty dollars. You're withdrawing that, correct? Oh, it's already in my bank account. Yeah, Attaboy. I was not keeping that on the Bodog because I know what I'm going to do with that yeah. money if it stays there. Okay, so we've crossed the ten minute mark. Oh, come do on! Do you have anything else with this story? No, I just it was like you just want I, to bask in the glory a little more. I just had the worst first impression ever on the Sportsnet Big Boss, but like I made a good point. Like I was just like, listen, man. You know, and even later I talked to him about it. So listen, I was in a poker game. He gets it. He's a big poker guy as well. So he understood that I like, sorry for like not meeting you and like being the, the normally social person that I kind of am. But I was like locked to my phone. I felt like, you know, those kids, like kids, yeah, kids nowadays bring iPads to the restaurant, yeah, like kids that have their iPhones, they're watching whatever uh, you, you guys and your, your Addison Rays and your, uh, your Paw Patrols, the things that you kids watch. <laughs> They're always stuck. I felt like that the whole time. And like, I just like, I was just like the horse with the blinders on in that poker game. And I couldn't do anything aside from that. And then, yeah, getting eliminated third sucked. Like winner got 7,500, but I was pretty happy taking home 1,200 American, which translated into 1,600 Canadian. So yeah, it was a, it was worth it for like the seven and a half hour shift that I had to put in in a poker tournament. All and you... then it brings up the debate of Don Taylor, Dave Pratt. Like you know the poker debate. <laughs> oh my gosh, get I, out of I here! I have flip sides from Don Taylor to Dave Pratt's side now. That was the hardest thing I've done for seven and a half hours. There was one point because I'm like, okay, I got a shower before I go to this like event, right? Obviously. And then it was like, you have a four, it was like a four minute break in between. I had to take like, get in the shower, quickly get out, like got a hand, like play. Oh one. my God. You were playing online poker, Dude, Chris. Yes. And you it was were not way harder participating in the sport. It was way harder. Than you. I played one <laughs> hand just wearing a towel because I had to, because I was coming out of the shower. If you can play the game while showering and go into a 650 dinner, you're not an athlete. Like I just need to make this clear. I'll just say this right now. I was working harder than anybody at this dinner and anybody at this ball game, including the players on the field. <laughs> I'm looking out at, at center field. The center fielder is dancing with okay. the with the field's crew. He's doing the he's getting along with the dance. He's in routine with them. What am I? I'm sweating over here. Okay. Uh, you know, pocket tens. What do you do with pocket tens? It was a tough situation, but I was getting okay. really good hands. Okay, the we're game. approaching the 13 minute mark. That's enough. Okay. We're we're stopping it right there. It uh, was a good and, day though, in in general. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so I didn't cut the intro short today, but I'm I want to say right off the hop, uh, and right off the hop, we're like 13 minutes in. Okay. The intro is a minute 45 seconds, so we only went a little bit over 10 minutes of non hockey talk. But yeah. I I cut the intro down by five seconds last show. And someone messaged me and said, why'd you cut the intro? I said, holy smokes. These people don't miss anything. True that. Anyways, we've got some hockey talk, Chris. The Western Conference Final got underway last night. Recording this on Wednesday morning, so the Eastern Conference Final uh, will kick off tonight. First game. What do you think of it? We're, we're going to do lessons from the playoffs in this episode. And we'll yeah. be joined by Adam Ingram on this episode. You had a good interview with him. That'll be playing later in the episode. But I want to start with lessons from the playoffs because the big news, Chris was probably that Kale McCarr thing. And I don't want to say news. It's just what everybody's talking about. It's the talk of the town right now. Kale McCarr on a play that, I got to be honest, when I first saw it, I said, oh, for sure that's offside. Not really thinking about the whole, well, if I have to zoom in and see if he has possession of the puck. My point here, and I'll get your take on this. 
because there was debate last night and, and everybody kind of lands on the same thing of, well, the call was right. Like it was the right call by the rule book. That was the right call. Now the debate becomes, should that be a rule? Like I think that's where I come into it. It kind of actually here. Let's let's get your take first, and then I'll I'll kind of go off a bit because yeah. I've got some thoughts on this. The dumb thing is, like, yeah, that's the rule, but also like if you look at it from the other point of view of like it being offside, that's also the rule too. It just depends how you like interpret possession, which was really annoying about the play. Like, I thought it was offside. I thought it was definitely offside. Like, just not having your stick on the puck for like a few seconds doesn't mean that you lost possession, right? Like, it's obviously it's especially the way that that play played out like there was clear possession and it was a, a smart move by Makar if that's what he was exactly doing but to me like you watch that play happen in real time that's offside for sure like I, I didn't think there was much debate behind it at all I found it really interesting the way that it all played out and then almost kind of turned into two goals right really I mean you know Colorado ends up getting a power play out of it as well and that kind of like that that was a big difference in the game obviously for you know aside from that and like goaltending being just poor throughout the game for this team. This is going to be a really fun series. To see what happened in game one was excellent. I was deep in a poker game at the time, so I wasn't watching it live. I had to go back and watch it uh, when I got home. I had a late night last night watching hockey. But, man, I don't know. The whole offside, I definitely thought it was offside. You're, are you? That's what you're saying, right? Well, you're on that side? Cause I've no, heard- it wasn't. It legitimately wasn't if you're basing it on the rule. He wasn't controlling the puck. But I don't even want to have this discussion, Chris, because our friends at Scarison Price, their poll question today was, what's the most controversial NHL rule? Uh, they did kicking motion, offside, puck over glass, or other. A lot of people in the comments saying goalie interference. Yeah. My point, I want to shift this conversation to, was it the right call or not? I want to shift it from that to, why the hell is there so many discrepancies and why does everybody have to have these discussions about your rules? This tells me there's a problem with the rules, Chris. We were just having this conversation about Blake Coleman in game seven with the kicking motion. People were talking about that for a long time after there's no reason for this. This is not something you see in other sports. And if you do, it's usually corrected. The NHL having all these problems, they don't even know what goalie interference is because We've seen over the years, I'm sure that's coming in the final because we've seen nearly everything in these playoffs. But the offside one last night, it's just, it makes no sense because you don't want to have these discussions. This is not good for the game to have these discussions. I always go back to what Botch said uh, on one of his final podcasts, and it was a year where the games did not matter and there was a broken stick in the offensive zone, a delayed penalty, and Marcus Granlund, who was playing for the Canucks at the time, used the broken stick, just propelled it to the point, uh, to the blue line a bit, excuse me, to disrupt a pass, any potential D-to-D pass. And because he did that, it was deemed a penalty shot on Marcus Granlund. And Bosch was talking about he was in the press box and everybody's rushing around and trying to figure out and get the call right. Oh, I knew that rule right away. <laughs> who cares? Like, who cares if you know the rule? The rule's dumb. Like, it's stupid that there's so many different, like, difference of opinions on these rules. And, like, like to me, that play should have been called offside. That goal shouldn't have counted. But because of the NHL rules, it counts. And, and, they got it right. I'm not saying they got it wrong. I'm saying if your rules made any sense, that wouldn't count because you shouldn't have these, well, he didn't mean to kick it or, oh, well, that's not actually possession because it was it was millimeters from his stick. And if you zoom in on this very special camera angle that the fans don't have right away, if you zoom in on that, it clearly shows that he's millimeters off the puck. Are you kidding me? 
we're getting down to those discussions. It's a joke. It's bad for the sport. I'm sorry to get so riled up, but I just, I was like, who cares? Like, why are we, like, people, wa- and, and in a year, and geez, I know I'm going off the rails here, but in a year, where the NHL goes goes to ESPN and they've got all these new viewers and look, it's McKinnon versus McDavid. This is great for the game. I even said it was. Stephen A. Smith is going to be talking about McKinnon versus McDavid. This is going to be good for the sport. This is how you're getting people onto the sport? I'm sorry, but a four-minute like delay to the game, and I know the Oilers get the penalty, whatever, but a four-minute delay only to say something that... Now only the diehards are going to understand this because all of the reporters on Twitter are going to explain this. There's no explanation right away in the game. Like, you know, yeah, if you watch the intermission panel, they give the explanation. But it's like there's so much discrepancy and there really shouldn't be. It should be clear in the rules what it is. And I get I already know there's going to be some someone on Twitter that tweets me and says, well, it is clear you need to have possession. Come on. Like you wouldn't have these endless debates if. If the rules were actually clear. And I'm not even just talking about offside. This kicking motion stuff. This, you know, puck over glass. This uh, goalie interference. All that stuff. And I know puck over glass isn't super no, controversial. Goalie interference is goalie a really good Goalie interference. They don't even know what they're doing with that. Yeah. So that's my point. I, I'm done. Yeah. No, I'm with you on a lot of it too. And I think making the change for the possession rule with offside can benefit. Like, I, I think Kevin Bieksa brought it up like a few weeks ago when he was talking about it. He was kind of uh, the play that was used. He came out of the penalty box, received a pass skating backwards. His feet cross the line. He has possession of the puck as he brings it over the blue line. Like, that makes sense to me for possession. It's just that situation that played out yesterday made it look like he was playing by the old rule, right? Like, that the new rule, the way that I interpret the new rule is that, yes, because he had possession and he crossed the line with the puck that should have been offside, but because of it, somehow he didn't touch the puck, but he had possession. It just didn't make sense to me. Like the new rule is more complicated than the old rule. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Is that's that all the, you have to say? No, that's all I'm saying. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that that's the way that it played out to me. It was just, you could call it a smart play. It would have been a smart play in the old rule of offside, but this new change was possession. Like that should have been, that was an easy call for me to say that that was offside. And the Oilers were right to challenge that for sure. Oh yeah, I'm not faulting the Oilers Absolutely. for challenging it. And like, but it just you bring up a good point. Like you're hitting all these new markets. You're trying to grow the game in America, and it really does suck to have a four minute delay and then go to the panel at the next intermission and just see everyone trying to explain it. And then that's the other. You're right. Like the when you're trying to explain the rule to new fans, and you have two different points of view on the rule, yeah. that makes it pretty hard for new fans to understand this game and, and understand why that was called onside. Because yeah. now you're getting, you know, especially like you said, if you're disagreeing about it on the panel, there's clearly something wrong, right? And to think that, like, if I was to go learn cricket and I just watched, I don't know how what's four days long these cricket matches. So say day two ends. And they start talking about the game and they're discussing why this play didn't make sense. Like, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know who to side with. It, it does make it kind of tough, especially as they're hitting these new markets, like you mentioned with uh, ESPN and everything. Yeah. Okay. So, lessons from the playoffs. I have NHL rulebook is effed. And then I have a couple other things. And I, I quickly want to get on them. And I think the first thing is, imagine either of these Western Conference Finals teams <laughs> with Thatcher Demko in net. Oh, gosh. Or just a goalie that's like, extremely capable and i know mike smith is bad in game one's also hilarious that there there's talk of among oilers fans i and again like jay woodcroft didn't commit to smith in game two they're going smith in game two you can't you can't put Liko koskin in a net 
uh, as Tyler Remchuk at Oilers Nation and I call him, uh, Lico. We were thinking wow. of making Lico shirts, but I thought that might be a little too mean, so we didn't actually go through with that. A little harsh, but yeah, then you look at what's going over, like what's going to happen over in the East. Oh and my it's gosh, like yeah. Vasilevsky versus Jesterkin. That's Mike Smith versus Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francis. It is kind of strange. Like, I wonder, and, you know, this is kind of too far to look ahead, but like, Colorado is just such a powerhouse and to think that their goaltending is the thing that's going to let them down. And when we look at the NHL playoffs and all it takes is a hot goaltender to get to the conference finals sometimes, right? Like that's all it takes for certain teams. Like, you know, I know Drance doesn't want to hear it, but these storybook teams that end up making a run to the conference finals, a lot of them are just on goaltending. And to think that this is, you know, Darcy Kemper is now letting down and what's the deal. Like, like he, I saw my boy, AJ Hayfley from uh, Denver sports, down there uh, in the Colorado area reported the tweet that he had out was that Kemper pulled himself reportedly because of blurry vision. And he said he couldn't see the puck. And I think this goes back to, I think it was May 17th game three uh, or maybe game two of the St. Louis blues and Colorado avalanche. He took a stick in the face and it was like swelling on his eye. Um, So that's not really unfortunate for the, for the Colorado avalanche in that spot because yeah, Kemper is going to have to be, at least match Mike Smith to for for the Avalanche to kind of get through in the series. We saw in Game One, there's going to be a lot of goals scored here. You know, having a good goaltending performance could really put you over the top in this Western Conference Finals. It feels like, yeah. And Wayne Gretzky even saying on the TNT panel, "You guys got to play defense." Like he said, yeah. "You have to play defense." I, he even prefaced that by saying, "You know, I'm I'm the most offensively gift, gifted player maybe ever." That was and you awesome. can see when he said that how much pain there was because he never likes to gloat about himself. Dude, that was that little quote from Gretzky was great just yeah. for him to like say it because like everybody knows. <laughs> like, no, like, everybody knows, but he never says it. No, but for him to say it, that was pretty sweet. It's yeah, yeah. Gretzky's <laughs> been uh, interesting to watch on uh, on TV. Yeah, it's it's been good to see. Okay, so far, the so other good. lesson from the playoff comes courtesy of our friend. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. That's right. Thomas Drance. Not available a, for comment right now. Not available for comment, that's for sure. Giving us a lesson from the playoff. And right now, it's funny because it feels like everything Drance has predicted has just blown up <laughs> in his face and it's been the opposite. And, you know, it's it's crazy to see because basically what Drance is arguing, and again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but basically what Drance is arguing with pe- folks on Twitter right now, it seems like, is, you know, you should be striving to make a team that doesn't have to rely on a goaltender you should be striving to make a truly elite team like you should strive to make a team like a Colorado you should strive to make a team uh like a Tampa Bay right and basically he kind of pointed to the Rangers and the Oilers as teams that are finding it difficult in the final eight he said this uh to hang with truly elite teams and obviously both teams move on this is why uh, this is why Drance is hearing it from the folks on Twitter right now. But again, and, and it's so silly to me because, like, I don't understand what the argument is. Is it no? You should not try to make the best team possible, Drance. I I don't really <laughs> understand because while I admit that anything can happen in the playoffs, don't you want to put yourself in the best position to just win the cup? Like, don't you want to put the best team together? I, I'm confused because I, I don't think I, – I, I don't re, I don't agree with Drance in the sense of, you know, saying like, oh, well, the anything can happen thing is stupid because, no, anything can happen. Well, it's Drance's hashtag, anything can't happen. That's what he's been going yeah, with exactly. very hard throughout these playoffs. Exactly. And, and again, like, you, you're probably not going to win the cup, but let people enjoy it, right? Like, let people enjoy the run. Let people enjoy the um, – 
the goaltending, right? Like that, that's what that's what I think this is all about. And the thing again, like Drance isn't trying to tell people how to fan. He's just saying, you know, from his perspective, which is from a very uh, cup or bust perspective, as it should be. I I totally agree with him on that. You know, you should be making the best team possible, and I fully agree with him on that. So it just seems like such a silly argument to me that it's like. No, Drance is so wrong. You should not be trying to make the best team possible. It's yeah, like, what are think, we arguing here? I don't think people are arguing with that. I think that people are arguing with that anything can happen in the playoffs. Like, Yeah, but you're probably not going to win the cup. No, All I'm saying is, sure, anything not. can happen, but don't you want to put yourself in the best position possible? Yeah, for sure. I just, I, I'm a little bit more against the anything can't happen. I think that anything can happen. I'm against happen. that too. Anything can happen, but yeah. again, you still want to put yourself in the best position possible right. by making an elite team. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. That's, I think it's just a dumb argument. No, it's like, if you're it's arguing so from that point of view, it's like, no, we don't want to be the best team in the playoffs. Or like, you know. I don't know. You have a better chance of winning if you're the best team. Like, that's what that's I'm saying. The way that like, I'm looking at sure, it. anything can happen. Both things can be true. Anything can happen, but you should also be trying to make a truly elite team. There was a point yesterday at dinner, and I wanted to take a picture of Drance and tweet him <laughs> out because it was 6 3 uh, Colorado, like early, er, not early, but in the second period, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I just wanted to like take a picture of Drance, like sipping his beer. Because I wanted to like get that the out. Kermit like, meme. Yeah, pretty much the Kermit meme of him sipping his tea. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I, I you know. I think we're at the point right now where anything can happen with these two teams. Like Shesterkin could be a 960 goalie in this in this series, and they could win in five against Tampa Bay. But I would bet on Tampa Bay winning because they have a deeper team and a better team, and they have a strong goaltender. So it's not like a massive, I guess, shift in, in skill when it comes to like one position. I think the goaltending matchup is going to be excellent it's in the Eastern series. Conference. It's going to be a good series. Both series are, are you know primed in very different ways to be very exciting. Give me a Rangers you know, Oilers Cup final. I would love I would love that. I seriously would. I would like the goaltender that played himself into consideration for MVP of the NHL season Got going up vote. against two of the top scoring, the best scoring duo we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah. Absolutely. That would be an excellent final. And it would also make Drance look really bad too. So <laughs> win, no win. problem with that, because we call him all the time and what did he you know like dial Hello, his number? Thank you for calling Thomas. And Drance. we just get straight voicemail every time. It's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, we're not going to take a break. I, I figure let's let's get through all of this, and then we'll finish with Adam Ingram, and then the other side will quickly just you know thank people for listening. But we'll finish with Adam Ingram rather than putting it in the middle of the episode. So, Chris, Gino Ojic made an appearance on Donnie and Dolly today, uh, spoke about his health. Gino says he's in good health. Everything's in uh, remission, which is great. And he just he said, obviously, knock on wood, um, that he stays in good health. Uh, is what he said. So that was, was really good to see. I was at the game where Gino made his like first return to Rogers Arena after going through all the uh, health battles that he was going through. No, you didn't tell me that. It was incredible. That was one of the loudest I've seen the arena. And like I was at Game Seven when Burrow scored in overtime, and that was louder. But like the cheer for Gino when he first came back to Rogers Arena and just you know walked out, gave a wave to the crowd. Like that was that was a pretty unreal scene to be at there uh, at Rogers Arena. So happy to be at that game. Well, the thing is, and you've been you went to a lot of Canucks home games this year as well in the press box. Gino was in the press box for almost every game. Yeah, he was. Um, he's well, there and, and, and one box over. On the, is that the, like the alumni beside us? Yeah, the, the alumni. He was there us, like yeah. every single. But game. I see him in the dinner room because I get there early and have dinner. He's yeah. always 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 eating the uh, the buffet food. Yeah, it's good. Not you. You're uh, you're the. What do you go to? I I I carve. The start of the year, I was eating a lot at um carve at the no at the buffet. I was eating a lot at the buffet because I was trying to eat veggies. So I was like, you know what? These are prepared. These are universally agreed upon as good food. So I will I will eat the veggies here. And then toward the end of the year, 
I uh, started eating more veggies at home, and I was like, I could, I could have a carved sandwich every once in a while. Yeah, and every, you wouldn't every even home game. Not even eat the pickle either. You're going no veggies. No, I love that. the pickle. I oh, love, you do? Yeah, I thought, I you, I thought you've given given away the pickle before. No, I. You know, okay. Sometimes I'll give away the pickle if the pickle is not very good. You you can get a bad mm. pickle. Like I, I hate to say it, I hate to put anybody on blast. Go for it. White spot pickles, no. disgusting. No, dude, they're just like thinly sliced. No, gross. Dude. No, I need a nice spear. That's what you get at Carf. No, yeah, dude, you. That is one of the worst food no. takes you've ever had in your okay, life. Okay, coming the, from you, what did you? What did you put on a bagel today? Um, turkey and cucumbers and pepper. And a little bit of cream cheese. It was excellent. What are you talking about? What did I put on bagel? That was awesome. That looks I've gross. had that three days in a row now. You know what I used to have? Cream cheese with cucumbers on a bagel. You know what I used to have? Respect for you until what you said <laughs> about the white spot. The white spot pickles might be the best part of the burger aside no, from the sauce. No. On Dude. top? No. It's so... Okay. So so first of all, it's not in the burger, which is a problem. Comes in if the wrap. Was, no problem. No. So if it was in the burger, I might not oh, have a problem on. with it. What's with the... What's with the pickle on top of the bun? That's their shtick. That's their thing. I don't care if that's their thing. Why is that their thing? What am I supposed to do with this pickle? It's in the damn commercials for White Spot. They talk about it all the time. It's I their get pick- it. They call it a pickle crown quads. Okay, so they're trying to be different. Fantastic. What am I supposed to do with that? You're supposed to put it in your sandwich. Or okay. a lot of okay. people like it on the side. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. So I'm supposed to put... One pickle. Yeah, big. It's a huge pickle. Don't across, act like it's a little. I understand it's a big pickle across my legendary burger, yep. which is going to le- mean there's pickle hanging out the sides. Perfect. But on the actual sides of the burger, I've got a lot of pickle-free zone. So you're gonna you're gonna tell me that a spear, a, a, a which is by the way, a pickle cut into like quarters, that's a better thing to put in your sandwich? No, because it's not in the sandwich. My point, Chris. So you eat that is, on the side. Exactly. Oh, so at Carve, on. you get a pickle spear. White Spot, if they want to do the pickle crown, they got to start putting the spear because the spear is something that you can actually eat on the side no. rather than this thinly sliced pickle. You can, fold the, you can fold the pickle if you want. If you're so worried about it falling out the end, fold the damn pickle. Oh, that's that's fun, and then I get a lumpy pickle in the middle. No, then you get a good bite with has a ton oh, of pickle whatever. in it where it's folded. You're so out to lunch. No, on this. dude, I I people should. I want people. I don't call the like call out the the forces on Twitter very often, but people should reply to this. What find the tweet for this episode and tell me how this is one of your worst food takes ever to say that the white spot Absolutely pickle is bad. Not. Absolutely not. It, it makes no sense. It's it makes no sense. This is unbelievable. Okay, you done. Are you done? You got anything else stupid to say? No, we were talking about Gino Ojic. Sorry. I don't know how we got on pickles. Oh, because we were talking about the press box. Well, yes. Gino's up there. Gino Ojic. He uh, have my back. Gino might have your back. We'll have well, maybe to I'll tweet at him. He answers on Twitter all the time, people. Gino, Gino follows both of I'll us. Say, what do you think about the, uh, the pickles at White Spot? Okay, you can't give it to him like that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll talk to him at a game next year. Can we do year. a sub-poll question here? You know what? Let's have him on the show. Sure. We can have Gino on the show. Get his opinion on the pickles. Okay. Uh, so Gino, good health, fantastic to see. Uh, Michael Furland reached out to Gino Ojic, uh, and you know Donnie and Dolly asked for an update on Michael Furland. Gino said he's doing good. He asked me, "What should I do? Should I come back or not?" I told him, "No, you should worry about your quality of life." But he wants to come back to training camp and give it a try. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd be surprised if he passed his physical. That from Gino Ojic on Canucks forward Michael Furland, who since the 2019-20 season, which was his first season with the Canucks, he played 14 games total, uh, has been on LTIR. Uh, $3.5 million contract, four-year deal, um, $3.5 million annually, excuse me. Uh, and that's on LTIR. So that you know moves the Canucks cap ceiling up a bit. Yeah. But with that in mind, 
He's coming into the last year of his contract. He hasn't played since 2019-20. It sounds like he wants to give it a go. Gino Ojic, who knows all about health problems, especially in his career, head issues, all that sort of stuff, knows all about that, tells him not to. Michael Furlan's coaching at an academy right now in Manitoba. He's back home with his with his uh, family, which is great. Wants to give it another go at training camp. That's kind of the thing that I pulled from that. Um, I guess I'll just get to our poll question. Do you have anything to add before I read the poll question? Uh, no, go ahead and do the poll question here first, and then sure. we'll get our thoughts on it. It's uh, I don't I haven't seen the results yet, but I sure. think I know where these the, results yeah, are. Yeah, you're go. probably right. So our episode two sixty seven poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC fifteen for fifteen percent off your first order of pop rinds. I haven't done the nachos yet. Oh, you got it. You got to let me know. I let people down. Somebody DM me. They said that we wanted to see the nachos. So I'm sorry. That's okay. I'll you'll, get around to you'll it. You'll get around to it. Yeah. Uh, promo code CC15, 15% off your first order of pop rinds, the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Atlas Goods. Going to dip them in sour cream, too. The most underrated dip for nachos. Everybody trashed it the other week on the show. Unbelievable. Atlas Goods, uh, locally owned company uh, based out of Surrey. Go check them out, atlasgds.com, promo code CC15. Our poll question today, do you hope to see Michael Furland return to the Canucks? Chris, so far, 17% saying yes, hmm. if he's healthy. 78% say no, not worth the risk, and 5% say they are angry. So I want to get your thoughts on this, and I'll quickly give mine. And it really just comes down to, no, it's not worth the risk. Because if you ask me this, Chris, in the 2019-20 season... When he first went down with concussion and it was looking like he was going to return and he was excited to return, he's saying, I feel great. I'm ready to hit people and I'm going to hit people hard. Give you that quote when you asked him a question, actually. Um, I say it's not worth the risk. But yeah. again, I, I, I will, like we've said at many points over the past two, three years, we are not doctors. We can't make this decision for Michael Furland. Um, if he's healthy and wants to, It'd be great to see him back on the Canucks, but I say, no, it's just not worth the risk. And I hope he's getting similar messaging from the doctors, uh, and I hope he's just able to enjoy um, enjoy his life. Again, he's only 30 years old. That's what yeah. a lot of people don't remember is this guy's only 30. Uh, he's dealing with all these crazy concussion problems. So obviously all the best to Michael Furlan. But Chris, I, I'm with the 78% here. I say not worth the risk. Yeah, I still remember like watching the video of him like on the bench in Utica after like doing like two shifts, and it just was like, Seeing him like skate, walk down the the bench there, like down the hall, it was like, oh man, it, it just, you just knew exactly what was going on. Like, well, not exactly what's going on, but you had an idea of what the yeah. situation was for sure. And it was like that was really hard to watch. Then to see him try and make a comeback and and everything, like, listen, we're like we we're not going to be the people who make the decision. He's going to be the one that makes the decision. But I think Gino stepping in and telling him maybe you know life is obviously more than hockey and he'll end up making that decision in the end. And I know, was it your, were you with, I don't think you're with Canucks army. I was it your, you spoke with the con, concussion Dr. specialist. Yeah. Dr. Swill Rosenblatt of yeah. advanced concussion clinics. And this was after Ferlin's first concussion with the Canucks, mind you, uh, after he fought Kyle Clifford, uh, I we were just talking and I, I asked her like, you know, would you recommend this person come back? And she said, he needs to get better treatment. Like he needs to get, top of the line concussion treatment. And she said like there's doctors in UCLA is where a lot of people end up getting sent because the concussion program there is very good. Um, and, and to the kind of credit, they did send him out to get top of the line For treatment. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it was them 
that recommended he doesn't return, especially after that other injury that he had uh, when it renewed itself and reared its ugly head. So when I talked to Dr. Rosenblatt, what she said was concussions are treatable injuries and, you know, you need to get the best care. And, you know, she wasn't saying anything bad about the Canucks or anything, but, you know, it was kind of implied that the level of care you're getting from an NHL team isn't as good as the top of the line doctors that you're traveling out to see, which we know that's yeah, not sure. any news or anything. We actually um, just got a tweet from Rick Dollywall about the situation. Spoke with Furlan's agent, uh, Jason Davidson, and he says priority number one is Mike's health, and he has no desire to return to the game of hockey. He has no desire. Yes, this is what the agent says. It's good to hear. So, I mean, if if he reached out to Gino, there would likely. You know, if this is like a you know, obviously a pretty real story. If Gino's the one who said it, you know, there has to be a desire at that point. So agents, you know, it's well, a- hang on a sec because both things can be true, right? Yeah. Gino said when he talked to him, he wanted to try to go to training camp, right? Maybe after that conversation, again, we don't want to speculate too much about something like this, but maybe after that conversation, Ferlin made up his mind. Yeah, I didn't think we'd be here on uh, what is it, June first. Yes, I didn't think we'd be here June first, twenty twenty two, talking about Michael Furlan. I, I, well, was it not? Was it the Players Tribune that did the article about Furlan and about you know calling it a career? Wherever it was, I know that he spoke on a, like a long, long form interview, and yeah, I just at that point I accepted. Like he's worried about his family, he's worried about his life moving forward. You mentioned he was, you know, he just turned thirty years old, right? Like, I don't know. I, it's weird to talk about the situation. It's ultimate, ultimately it's his decision, and we'll see what happens. But I don't. I'm not expecting to see Furland in a Canucks jersey anytime soon. Yeah, it's pretty clear that uh, Gino's words obviously carried some weight with Furland. So obviously, like we said earlier, all the best to Michael Furland, right? Like crazy what this guy's going through. And like we said, 30 years old, career's basically done. So all the best to Furland. Yeah, hopefully he's happy with his family and what he's able to do in the world of hockey now. It's a little different than playing in the NHL, but I'm sure you know he could probably offer up a lot of, uh, you know, this is a guy who made it to the NHL and had a, you know, Pretty good little run when he was when he was healthy and playing. So hopefully he can help some kids move forward in their hockey careers now. Okay, a couple things before we basically close out and send to Adam Ingram here. Nick Patan, uh, according to Dolly Wall, expected to sign with Omsk Avangard of the KHL. No deal in place yet, but is in talks with them. Um, I shouldn't have said expected to sign. He's in talks with them yeah. uh, at the current moment. So Nick Patan could be heading for the KHL. To me, like, and I know we've talked about this before, but like Nick Patan is the... Like if you and I don't mean this as a slight because he's still a pro hockey player, but if you look up like a tweener in the and that word sounds really mean. I'm not trying to be mean here. If you look up, yeah, like he's he's the definition of an AHL forward, right? Like he can't make the jump to the NHL. He he looks out of place. It just looks one step too fast for him when he plays in the NHL and. You know, there was people in our mentions that felt like all year when he was with the with the Canucks or scratched, it was like, give Nick Patan a shot. He'll fix everything. And it's like, what? Anyways. Hashtag we stand with Patan. Yeah, we stand with Patan. And I know he's got a lot of friends and family out here, so maybe that plays into a little bit. His but parents have a Italian restaurant. I know. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Phil DiGiuseppe, big fan. Is he? He was. Wow. Told, told us that when he's on the show here. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't pay attention. You know that. No, I know. Okay. Uh, the other thing. Vancouver Canucks lose the rights to Tony Utenin. Does not come as much of a surprise. Defense first, 5'10 defenseman. Not really sure uh, anybody who's expecting anything different, uh, but Tony Utenin, Canucks lose the rights to their 2018 fifth round pick. Not surprising, correct? 
Uh, no, not surprising at all. The interesting one will be Victor Persson here to see where he goes next year, right? Like he's, he's got an option. Uh, he's got options in Sweden, specifically the SHL. You go back with Brinus, uh, go play in the SHL over there. He got a little bit of a taste uh, last year when before he came over to the dub and he was mostly a junior guy, but he got a couple, got to dress for like four games in the SHL. Played uh, one shift, I believe, in those four games. Uh, but, you know, maybe they're they're looking at him now that he's gotten a year bigger and stronger. He might be going back to the SHL. We'll be interested to see what the Vancouver Canucks do with him if he's an option that they want to bring into Abbotsford. Like, this is a guy who's already here in North America. He already played a full season with the Kamloops Blazers. He can't go back to the WHL. I don't think he showed as well as what I was hoping. Played on a really good team, um, and it's kind of tough for him to even get top pairing minutes. But with a player of that caliber, though he's a seventh round pick, you still expect him to, you know, make a big impact on a Kamloops team. Where I just don't know if he made as big of an impact as I was thinking he was going to do. So I don't know if he's played well enough here in North America in that one year to earn an AHL contract. But that's kind of a, a prospect storyline that I'll be following in the next uh, couple months here, and we'll see how he looks at uh, development camp. He'll be back uh, in July. I'm assuming he's heading back to Sweden for a little bit. He probably hasn't seen his family in a long time, so uh, he'll probably go back to Sweden, and then uh, we'll see him at development camp again, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, definitely just going to keep an eye out on uh, some of the SHL teams and the SHL insiders that I follow to see if he signs over there or if the Vancouver Canucks are interested in giving him a shot at the AHL. Like, Parishon's going to be really interesting to see what happens. There's obviously a lot of raw talent there he's a six foot three right shot defenseman who can really skate uh he played the left side a lot for Kamloops this year as well so be interested to see what happens with him I'd like to see him get a chance in Abbotsford I don't know if he's going to be even one of the top six defensemen like coming in opening night but I think just keeping a player like that who's already come to North America here could be an interesting way to kind of work in the development realm with him all right Anything else before we go well, to... Well, let's go to the prospect interview on the other side. I want to talk about the development staff a little bit. Sure. Sounds okay? like a plan. Just the... Yeah, I just want to talk about the development staff a little bit and adding the uh, Mike Komisarek and Mikhail Samuelson to the group. It's uh, Michael. What that I, I, okay, I got to talk about this. Okay. Why all of a sudden... The guy plays here for years. It's always been Michael Samuelson. And I, I get the whole... Well, you know... Some of the European players don't like to correct people with the pronunciation of their name. Why Why is it all of a sudden Mikhail? I, is anybody hearing this from him himself? Or did we just decide, yeah, it's Mikhail now? It's Michael. It's Michael Sanderson. Okay, I'm Samuelson, not doing this. Not Sanderson. I don't know if I'm doing this now. No, we don't have to. But I I, I, I heard it. Uh, I think it was the VatCast. Drance was saying it. Mikhail? <laughs> Since when? Like, it, it has been Michael Samuelson forever, has it not? It was Well, it was tough listening because Halford and Bruff had him on. Okay. And how do you pronounce your name? Well, they did that with Linus Carlson, and the <laughs> first question to him was that. But the problem was, I think it was Bruff who, who was calling him Mikhail, and Halford was calling him Michael like, no throughout way. the interview. Yeah. Oh my God. They were both calling him by a different name. So I was like, you can't even settle it at this point. Like, I don't think you can ask like a, a grown ass man that as much as you can ask like Linus Carlson, who's still like a 22 year old kid. So I don't know. We'll be, we'll be split on that one as well. I'm going to say Mikhail Samuelson until we hear something different. Okay. All right, we'll go to USHL player Adam Ingram, who joined you uh, for a little interview. So we'll go to that, and then on the other side, we'll quickly touch on the development changes, and uh, we'll do that. So I'll we- talk about Ingram a little bit, too. I like, uh, I like a lot of things in Ingram's game. Sure. All right, keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. All right, guys, joining us now as we continue the offseason of previewing players who are going to be high picks in the 2022 NHL entry draft. Today, we are joined by winger Adam Ingram 
who played with the Youngstown Phantoms last year from Manitoba is where he grew up. And, and an interesting spot for you, Adam, I'm sure. What was it like making that adjustment uh, to the USHL after playing, you know, in Canada all your life? First of all, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a different jump. Um, I really enjoyed it though. It was uh, higher pace and higher skill. And uh, I mean, I couldn't, couldn't have been more happy with that decision. I'm curious what it, what your thoughts were of the US like the USHL before you kind of went there because it's a league that you know especially us Canadians we obviously follow our CHL leagues quite closely but it feels like over the last you know five ish years like the USHL has really kind of stepped up like you mentioned it was the play was a little bit surprising how good it was in the USHL this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I had a buddy who played uh, out there last year, um, so I knew a little bit about the league, but. Um, every year it seems like more Canadians are going out there and they're taking the college route. Um, and I mean, uh, it seems to be working for most of those guys. And, um, I mean, I took, I decided to take it as well. I was a late grower and, uh, I mean, I'm super excited that I, I did and I'm fired up to go into St. Cloud this year. Yeah, absolutely. And the Phantoms, we've seen them like, you know, churn out quite a few draft picks as well. What's, what's that organization kind of like in the USHL? It feels like, it feels like the gold standard in that league anyways. Yeah, I mean it's it's good. It was a really good organization for sure. Um, lots of good players against too, like um, Adam Fantilli. Like um, lots lots of lots of really high caliber players that are um, going into college this year, if not next year. And um, it, it just seems that the league keeps getting better and better. And you kind of grew up playing your junior hockey around the Winnipeg area. I, it, it's funny. It's like I, I chat to a lot of these prospects, a lot of draft picks, and it just seems like Winnipeg's one of the ones that that seems to stick out. Like, how competitive was minor and junior hockey there uh, in Winnipeg for you? Um. Yeah. I mean, we had a like my my O three age group um, growing up. Uh, we had a really good uh, competitive age group, so it was always uh, from from just even like when we were eight to. Uh, 14 triple a it was always it was always a really good group of uh guys so um and i mean there's gonna be a couple of those guys that get drafted this year as well so um it'll be it'll be nice to hear those guys names get called as well so um happy for them and i enjoyed playing against them all those years i'm looking at your stats from your u15 age to u17 age uh what happened (laughs) i mean why were you so much of a better scorer at u17 um, yeah, I mean, I was always a bit of a smaller guy and, um, I kind of just hit a little bit of a growth spurt, um, that summer. And, um, I, I think it gave me some confidence being, being a little bit bigger and, um, yeah, I, I kind of just tucked off there and I didn't really look back. And that's kind of one of the parts of your game. It looks like, you know, growing into that size at six foot two. Now it seems like that's something that you like to take advantage of when you're playing in the USHL using your size. It looks like your shots kind of, you know, probably benefited from having that extra size. Is that something that you've kind of been able to groom over the last couple of years after going through that growth spurt? Yeah, for sure. I feel like, um, yeah, with that growth spurt, my, um, my shots gotten a lot better. I also, I do work on it, um, almost every single day um for a couple hours so uh, i'm working on that always um i like to shoot the puck and i like to score goals so that's that's gonna help me out so um yeah i think i think i just need to with my big frame now though i just need to 
put on a couple pounds. So that's that's pretty much what I'm focusing on. Most definitely. Well, I could probably give you some advice on that. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, just ask <laughs> about your shot as well. It seems like, you know, that's kind of the part of your game that kind of pops off the page when you're watching, you know, tape of you playing. And it, it's funny, here in Vancouver, we had a guy, Marcus Naslin, who might be a little bit before your time, but you might recognize the name. He had that same kind of swinging left leg that you seem to have on your follow-through. I'm curious, like, how did that develop? Because, uh, you know, it's just something about the way your leg was, like, swinging around on the wrist shots. It really reminded me of Marcus Naslin a little bit. Yeah, I feel like um, when I'm receiving the puck, I think you're talking about more when I'm on the um, on the half wall on the power play when yeah, I'm shooting left that. Side, yeah, yeah um, I feel like when I'm receiving it, I'm taking it over to my left leg and loading it up and then shooting um, off my right leg and my left leg is kind of just going up behind me. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I've always kind of done that, so I'm just super used to it. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's working pretty well, so uh, I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, like, is there a guy that you kind of loved watching growing up? Like I, you know, like I mentioned Marcus Naslin. He was the guy for me when I was playing road hockey or, or anything, like, as a young kid. Was there a guy for you that uh, – that you kind of like to play a similar game from? I know you don't want to be the exact same player as them, but who was some of the guys that influenced your play? Uh, I mean, growing up, um, obviously Sidney Crosby. Um, being from Canada, you can't, can't not like Crosby. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I also really like I also like Patrick Kane, just the way his vision around the ice is and the way he makes plays. It's just, it shocks me, and it's unbelievable. And jumping into the USHL, you come up there, point-per-game player, put up 26 goals in 54 games this year. How do you feel uh, you kind of made that adjustment to a new league? Like, it feels like you had a, a pretty successful first year in the USHL as an 18-year-old. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I'm really happy with how my season went. Um, I think it got off to a really good start, um, and it gave me some confidence, Just and it just kind of kept going throughout the year. And, um, I mean, obviously, our season didn't end the way I wanted it to, but... Um, I think we had a really good group of guys, and I, I really enjoyed it. What about when you make that jump to likely, um, I'm assuming that's the, the highest quality of like hockey you've ever played in. Was there something off the bat that kind of said, like, oh, you know, this is a part of the game that I need to work on a little bit more when you see that level of competition? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think the first game I, I played, I was just like, um, holy crap, but this is, this is fast. Like I've never, I've never played in hockey that fast before. So, um, I, I, at the, at the start, I was a little bit shocked and I was like, holy crap. But, um, after a couple games, I got, I got used to it and, uh, I think I adjusted well. That's good. And, and tell me about your line mates there at Youngston as well. Um, yeah, so I played with, um, Jaden Grant and Kyle Bettens for almost, almost the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Betton's um, also from Winnipeg, actually. He's going to Minnesota Duluth. And then uh, Jaden Grant, uh, he's from Michigan, and he's going to Bowling Green. Uh, I mean, both both really good line mates. Um, helped me a lot throughout the season. Like, I owe, I owe a lot of what I produced to them. So um, I thank them for that. Like, we had, a, we had some really good chemistry. But, um, yeah, I really like to play with those guys. And I'm assuming that, I'm kind of assuming this, but I'd like to get your answer on it. Like, where do you feel most confident on the ice? Like, for me, watching you play, it's, it's when you get a little bit of that extra space on the power play and you can kind of, you know, get something behind your shot. Where do you feel most confident, though? That's that's just what I see. Yeah, I think when I, when I have um, an open shot or just some open space to make a play, 
Um, I feel like I'm going to execute that play, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident when I have the clock on my stick as well. When when you see, like, I don't know if you're a guy who like looks at scouting reports on yourself, but the big thing is like there's a lot of upside uh, to what you can do with your shot. I mean, it's it's one of the stronger ones that we're seeing in this draft. It's a, it's a big reason why you're kind of ranked, uh, you know, in the first round by a lot of these prospect sites. Is that something that obviously you're kind of proud of, uh, something you're kind of developed over the last couple of years here with your shot? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it uh, feels good to be noticed. Um, I mean, like, uh, I just want to keep working on my shot, and I want to I want it to be the best. So, uh, I I don't want to stop. I mean, my shots my shots good, but I want it to be great. So, um, that's something I'm always going to keep working on, and uh, I, I want it to be unbelievable. For for NHL teams that are thinking of drafting you, how confident are you that you have one of the best shots in this draft? Um, well, I mean, first of all, I scored, I scored quite a few goals this year on the, on the hook. Um, I think I, I think I struggled a little bit in the second half where, um, I mean, it was the first year I played over 35 games. So, um, I think, I think that was a little bit different for me, but I think I can, uh, I think with the shot I have, I think I can score, um, a lot of goals next year as well. And, um, I have no doubt that I can do that. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be interesting. Like you're in a, a pretty, Interesting spot, I guess, coming from Canada, going to the USHL. That's quite a big jump up to, you know, the competition that you're playing there. And then you're going to have to kind of do that all over again next year in the NCAA. Do you have any expectations for what you're going to be able to do in your first year? Um, yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm going to expect, but, uh, I know going into it, I have, I have, uh, I have high expectations out of myself and I think that I can score at the next level. Um, so I think I can, I think I can do that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm super excited going to school. I think it's, it's a huge step up for me and, uh, it's a step in the right direction. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I won't really know until I'm out there and I play a couple games, but I'm, I'm pretty confident. That's good, man. And are you one of these guys who, you know, checks in on the prospect ranks a little bit? Because you're an interesting one, man. Like, it is, it is kind of strange to see how differently ranked you are on a lot of these scouting sites. I've seen you, you know, in the nineties, but I've also seen you in the first round in a lot of picks. Like, do you pay attention to this at all? Or do you have a group chat that's bugging you about it? Anything like that? Um, I don't, I don't like really look at that kind of stuff. Like my buddies will, um, send me a text and they'll just be like, Oh, this is where you're ranked here. But, uh, I try not to focus on that. I try and, uh, just, just play my game when I'm on the ice and, uh, do everything I can to help our team win. That's good. Well, you definitely shot up rankings throughout the season. Were the group techs kind of blowing up at that point when you're kind of seeing when you're on that early goal streak at the start of the year? Yeah, I had a couple of my, my close buddies were uh, texting me and just giving it to me a little bit. They were just fired up for me. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it, it feels nice though. It's, it's good. So, um, I'm excited to see see what happens. So that's awesome, man. And I know you spend a lot of time around the golf course as well. How confident are you in your golf game? Are you more confident in that than your shot, or what? Uh no, my golf game is um, <laughs> not very good. Uh, I mean, I, actually, it is good, but um, when I hit ten, when I hit more than five fairways in a round, I'm pretty happy. So, <laughs> um, I have a good, I have a good short game. That, that that's what uh, that's what gets me through the round. Okay, good to know you're one of us. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, like, since we're a Vancouver Canucks podcast here, any thoughts on the team over here in Vancouver and what uh, some of the players that kind of impress you from this squad? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Brock Besser, uh, Patterson, Quinn Hughes. Those are those are guys that are 
young and I think they have a lot of potential. So um, I think, and I think hopefully next year, if not in a couple of years, they can uh, make a playoff run. Cause I think they, um, they have a good coach right now. It's uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Brujo, right? Yeah. Um, I think with him and uh, some of those guys getting a little more experience, I think they can make a, hopefully make a Stanley Cup run. And I'm, I'm curious, like, with you going to St. Cloud State next year, I'm sure that, you know, a big reason was probably the coaching staff for you making that decision. How do you think that coaching staff is going to help you work on some of the parts of your game that you might look at as, as a weakness? I know that, you know, you're probably pretty confident the way that you play. You, you've gotten yourself to a great spot for the NHL draft, but there's always improvements needed to be made. What are some of the things that you want to work on, you know, with the coaching staff next year to round out your game? Yeah, I mean, um, I think, like, Obviously, like for myself, um, working like with without the coaches to start, um, I got to put on some weight. Uh, I got to get in the weight room more. That's what I've been doing since I've been home. Um, and then with the coaches, I'll be. Um, I think I got to get my down low offense. Uh, I think I got to work on some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, I'm going to work on my shot as well. More, more, more shooting stuff like that. Um, and then hopefully some some stuff in the D zone as well. Like. Um, on the wall, just uh, making sure I can do those those plays instantly in a game, and just um, yeah, get the pucks out. All right, we've somehow I don't know if we did this on purpose or not, but a lot of the prospects we've talked to for this draft have brought up the perfect breakfast. Uh, can you walk me through the perfect breakfast for Adam Ingram? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um. Am I making it, or is it is it is it a restaurant? Yeah, let's let's go with restaurant. Like, I don't want to put pressure on your cooking. Let's just put pressure on your eating. Okay, um, I would say um, some of my favorite food is at the golf course. So, um, at the golf course, there is a breakfast they have there called the Elmhurst Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, it is three eggs of your choice. Um, you can get a side of. Bacon, hash brown, or no, bacon, ham, or um, sausage, and then hash browns, and then four pieces of to- toast of your choice. So I'll get uh, scrambled eggs, bacon, um, hash browns, and I'll get uh, white toast, mm-hmm. and I'll put peanut butter on them. So, and then I'll probably have a just just water with it, or some cranberry juice, maybe. That 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 would be my perfect breakfast. Okay, you'd be surprised about how much the Europeans love pancakes. That's like all we've gotten for the answer from the European guys. It's just pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. <laughs> pancakes are pretty good though. Can't say no pancake. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we wrap up, too, I just want to get uh, you know get to know you off the rake a little bit as well. Favorite comedy? Let's go with comedy movie of all time. Um. Not necessarily comedy, but Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I probably could have guessed that from knowing what you do off the ice as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go with uh, TV show, whether it be comedy or anything else. Is there something that like hooked you in in the last couple of years here where you had to watch every single episode the day it dropped? Oh, man. I haven't, I haven't been watching too much TV. Like, um, I mean, when we were, when I was in the state, like, we didn't, uh, we just had Netflix. Um, I was watching uh, Blacklist. Okay. Um, but I haven't really, not many TV shows that I've been watching in the past. That's good. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm not a huge uh, Netflix guy. I don't know how people can do like four episodes in a row. Like I just get bored sitting there. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Wait, she goes, oh, so hey, so you're looking forward to it next year at St. Cloud State. It's going to be awesome uh, to watch you continue to develop, Adam. I'm sure it's it's going to be an exciting day for you uh, when the draft gets here. And the hope is that you can be picked up in the first round, I'm sure. But I'm sure you'll be happy with any NHL team grabbing you. So uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us here and take some time out of your day. And all the best uh, up in July there, man. I'm sure it's going to be an exciting weekend for you. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And a massive thank you to Adam Ingram for joining us on the podcast, joining you, Chris, uh, on the podcast. What did you take from that conversation? And you said you had something you wanted to say about this kid. Yeah, obviously, um, really like the shot from this kid. That's kind of the big thing that pops out from his game. That's likely a reason why he's uh, trending towards being a first-round pick. Uh, there's a lot of rankings that have him uh, kind of outside the first round. Like, I think Bob McKenzie has him at, like, 32, so just sneaking into the first. Elite Prospects has him at 42. Uh, Craig Button down at, like, 70. And that's kind of the something that we talked about was, like, it, does he does he pay attention to that? And he was saying like some of the group chats kind of send him you know where he's showing up in rankings. But it'll be interesting to see where he kind of falls. I, I do kind of expect him to be um, just outside the first round, but one of these guys that we see pretty high uh, on day two of the draft. And if a team really likes him and really likes his release, he might be a guy that you take a swing on in the first round. Like he does have a very good wrist shot. Uh, he scored 26 goals in the USHL this past year. It was his first year in the USHL after making the jump from like Manitoba junior hockey. Like he's, he's not a player who's really played at like such a high level until making that jump. So going to St. Cloud state uh, next year is going to be big for him to see how he develops in the NCAA. And with these players, it, it is sometimes like a diamond in the rough when you find a guy who, you know, didn't play major junior, didn't play, you know, in the CHL or, or anything like that to see how he looked uh, in the USHL was really impressive. What he looks like on the power play. Uh, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see where he kind of ranks out to, to see where he falls in the draft. I, I really like the shot. Like I, I, I think I mentioned in the interview at the start, but it was like, Something about like the way that, you know, a left shot guy on his leg, like his left leg swings to the right. Like it just reminded me of like Marcus Naslin's release the way that like when I see when you watch Naslin shoot, who like was my favorite Canuck of all time uh, watching Naslin shoot the puck. Like it just reminded me of that same leg kick. And I was like, I don't know, maybe that's why I really like the kid right off the bat. But big body as well. Uh, he is a winger. So he's six foot two, 180 pounds. He mentioned he wants to put on some more weight. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I think he'll be an interesting player to watch uh, on day one of the draft, but might be a good uh, value pick for somebody uh, early in the second round as well. All right. Anything else to add before we close it out? Yeah, I want to go off the development here. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, someone messaged me. They actually tweeted right at me. And they said, stop rushing Faber to close mm-hmm. out the shows. Uh, and that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, I've had my espresso. I've had my iced coffee today. I'm sure the listeners I can, can tell. tell today. Yeah, I'm fired have. up. I was fired up today. I thought I thought we had a really good show. But yeah. you, you want to say something about the development? Yeah. So I'm really happy. No that, rush. No that rush. The Vancouver Canucks have added to their development team because golly, did they ever need it. Second largest development team in the league now behind really only the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sure. Really good to hear. Although... I, not sure if that's your model franchise. No, I mean, well, it's... But it is good nonetheless. I'm making a joke. Yeah, to have this support for these players, like, it, it sucks for the players that are off in Europe who don't get to meet with somebody from the Vancouver Canucks every year. The Canucks obviously didn't have development camp for the past two years. These guys out in Sweden were just dealing with, whether it be Chris Higgins or Ryan Johnson, on, like, a Zoom call. And some of them were only getting one call a year. That sucks, man. That really sucks for development for a player who likely needs to you know, gain a lot from somebody who's been there and done that and seen what it takes to get to the NHL. You want to give these guys the best opportunity possible. And like, I just think of like some of these Swedish players, Jonathan Myrenberg. Now he can deal with um, 
Mikhail Samuelson over there in Sweden, or potentially he deals with Mike Komisarek, who apparently is going to deal with some defensemen as well. So, like, I like adding a defenseman to this group. Obviously, you had RJ and you had Higgins doing his thing, and they chatted with a lot of these NCAA guys. I know that Higgins was able to make, like, a trip out as well to to meet some of the NCAA players in person uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. But, like, I, I don't think there was many um, for their for their prospect, Connor Lockhart, out there in the OHL. Um, and I just think that getting, you know, in person, I think that maybe you can excuse it a little bit because of COVID, obviously, uh, making travel a little bit more difficult. But moving forward now, you're adding to the staff. You mentioned it's one of the biggest uh, development staffs in the NHL, and it should be. It absolutely should be. You should, you know, try and spend as much money possible to make your team better in any way if it's not affecting the salary cap. And in this situation, it doesn't affect the salary cap. So really good to hear some names added. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how the how the season goes for these players and how much involvement there is. I mean, Samuelson's really interesting, right? He's a guy who was a GM uh, in the Alsvenskan League. And it's it's a very different role being a general manager over there in that situation. I know something that Samuelson talked about was like, you're not just day-to-day like making trades and all these things. Like You're working with the junior teams. You're working with all these other players. So to be a GM in an Alsvenskan League over there in Sweden, there's already a huge... I guess part of being like a GM in that league is development already. So I think Samuelson's a really good ad. I think he's going to bring something to the Swedish players. I just think of like Lucas Forsell is going to be great to be able to work with Samuelson. And, and I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm really happy that they made some additions here to this team and it's going to help them in the long run because yeah, you know what doing one zoom call with the player all season yeah. long, that, that can't happen, man. That's that can't happen in the NHL. You know, like it, it that shouldn't happen. Um, so moving forward, I'm excited to see that they have some more uh, additional staff being added to the group. And you'll have an article on this on Canucks Army uh, dropping. So CanucksArmy.com, go check it out. And one thing I'm excited for, Chris, is the scenes are getting on the ice. And this is something yes. they wanted to do, right? Like they wanted to get back on the ice. They wanted to be you know, back in the in the mix here. So, you know, happy to see if, uh, the scenes are going to be back on the ice. And I think, you know, they kind of eye in the sky this season and they kind of just were learning the ropes and they're comfortable now getting back on the ice, which is really good to see. I'm really excited to see that. Don't rush me out here. Pedersen's haircut. Where are we going with this? I Okay. You know what? This got a lot of traction. It and did. I know a lot of people are talking about the buzz cut for Elias Pedersen. If you haven't seen it already, story is up on CanucksArmy.com. You can go read it there and look at the, the haircut in question. Elias Pedersen shaves his head, uh, attends an event in Sweden. That's a Canucks Army article right there if I've ever seen one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Daily Hive probably... Daily Hive did. I actually did texted Rob and said, yep. F you, nice work, though, and then we yep. did it. But, uh, yeah, da- uh, Daily Did Hive. you do an article that said, Elias Pedersen shaved his head? Yeah, we did. <laughs> I was making a joke. I didn't think you no, actually Mike, did. No, Mike Gould, our news guy, oh our my like, goodness, crickets guy, man. hit it. It did pretty well, too. How do you think you get your paychecks, man? That's true. Well, here's the... Well, well hang on. I, I got to say Okay, it, give your thoughts. He got, he got some mixed reactions. I got to tell you, I thought it looked good. I think I think he's getting out in front of it and he's doing it right. I I absolutely like people were like, don't make fun of him. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, he looks good. He yeah. legitimately looks good. And I don't know. I, I think it's all part of the Sedin's master plan to make him look like one of them. Here's the here's the T, though. Let me give you the T quads. This is what I've uh, my girlfriend calls it when I watch a TV show. I got to give the T. I'm giving you the T on this situation. OK, so all this blows up on uh, Twitter yesterday. It's all over the place. Pictures of Patterson. It's all over Reddit. I'm sure Patterson saw it at some point. So what does he do today? He posts an Instagram story wearing a hat. Huh. So that's the T for me. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's going to grow the hair back. Right? Because it's not like he... I don't think he like 
you know, shaving creamed it and took a straight razor blade to it and then did it that way and went straight bald. There's still a couple hairs laying around there. Was his was his uh his Instagram story like an angry look? Like was he not was he not pleased? No, I that think it was I think disgusting it was, this. I think it's his dad with him there in the picture. And his dad, you know, he's a bald guy. Oh, he did wear a hat. See, that's the T, right? Is that what they call it? The T? It's like the same photo. That's so funny. It's right? literally like almost the exact he's wearing the same clothing yeah. as the photo that's going around and now he's wearing a hat. That is so funny. Poor guy. I hope he's not self-conscious about it because it looks good. Like I legitimately think it looks good. Yeah, it blew up, but I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, positive reaction from well, people as well. Because the thing is, and, and don't be mean to. And we want to support our boy. You know, like we got to support Patterson. If he wants to go bald, sure. Yeah, and, and here's if he the wants thing. to come back with uh, you know green hair, sure. We're all, I'm down for it. Yeah, as long as you can put the puck in the net, yeah. we're not going to have the peak. Sure, but okay. And in all seriousness, here, like, think about this. Don't make fun of the guy. You know what I, I mean? I haven't seen a lot of that, though. No, exactly. I, I, I hope that's not how it came across. The Facebook we were... uncles, they're probably up there. Well, no, most of the Facebook most uncles are, are bald. bald. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably getting mad. Like, oh, look at this. Another bald guy is not oh, wearing sunglasses. Oh, he's doing it by choice. <laughs> oh, man. No, I think, yeah, I think people will support him. Like, that. this will become a thing. Absolutely, as they should. I, I got to tell you, Chris, as somebody who, like, I've had a weird hairline most of my life. Okay. And, you know, when I had long hair especially... Noticing a lot of hair coming out when I'm washing it, uh, and that's partly why I cut my hair. But hmm. um, I'm not uh, not not dealing with that anymore. But if I were to ever go bald, I would hope I'd have the support of the people. Yeah, because I, I would do no. what Pedersen's doing. If my hairline started receding or my hair was thinning, I'd just go for it. I'd just get rid of it. I wouldn't. I like. I wouldn't do the George Costanza. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't like try and pretend like there's something there when there's not. It's if it's going, it's gone. I think. Well. <laughs> Speaking of, I think Horvat might be uh, shaving his head here pretty soon. Then he's, he's turned into a dad pretty hard. He's he got might, two kids. He's I, allowed. I say he might be the next up. <laughs> oh man, are we are we really going to spend the final segment just who, yeah. who the next person to shave their head is on the Canucks? Well, I'd say Horvat. Who would you go with to shave their head? Go bald. Yeah, Look, be the next. Tim bald Horvat's guy. got some thin hair, but he's older. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he, he looks fine with his hair. Okay. I don't think he needs to shave. I don't think Horvat's going to shave his head. I think he will be. You think so? Yep. The next Canuck to shave their head. Oh, Myers? No, not Myers. No, too tall. Yeah. Well, if if he did, there'd be no evidence of yeah, it. We, Nobody would know. Would never have to clean it. Nobody yeah. would know. Nobody would know what's going on up there. I, I don't want to predict who's next to shave their it's head. Brad Hunt coming I back? Mean, Brad Thatcher, Hunt's pretty close. Thatcher Demko did it. That's right. Thatcher Demko gets the buzz cut. I, but this is a little different. Like, it's... Well... Maybe Petey's is just because he's blonde. He didn't intentionally go right. bald. He got the same as Demko, but he's bald instead of red brown like Demko. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's oh, the widow. Brad pick. Hunt. Well, that's what I just said. You yeah. just said Brad Hunt. Yeah, I I don't know why that took me so long to click. Jeez, but man. Brad Hunt. That's that's a good one. It's the widow's peak, though. That's the battle of it. Going bald. It's yeah. the widow's peak. Once your widow's peak gets too deep. I got a couple of friends. They're twins, actually, mm. and they have some of the deepest widow's peaks you ever see. It looks like they got an M on their on their head. Yeah, you you got to you got to go bad. Like you yeah, gotta, yeah. We'll see. Petter, it's, Pedersen's too young, though. No, he's not. No, he's what is he? 20, 23, 23, 24. That's pretty young. Eh, I don't I, know. I think he comes back. He's not. He's not coming back bald. Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, it's crazy to think he's only a year older than me. I'm getting old. If he starts losing his hair, what's that mean for me? Yeah, that's a good point. 
You just wait. You'll start getting some. Well, first you need a beard, but then you'll start getting some gray in there like I'm getting. You see this? I'm actually starting to grow a beard. Actually, no, I don't see that. Okay, let me just go in the light properly. Yeah. Can you see it now? Come yeah, on. I, know. I can see a little bit on your, uh, what is it, goatee? Or no, what's the, the soul patch? Soul patch, yeah. I'm going yeah, for the little... smash mouth look. Okay. <laughs> okay. All we'll right. wrap it up there. Good. Yeah, good call. Yeah, okay. Hold on. I'd throw out a quick poll just to wrap things up on the pickle talk. Oh, my gosh. Thing. Enough. You I just you had to put ask out the people. Half, half reared. Is that something people say when they don't want to swear? You put out a half reared poll with no context at all. Okay. When people listen to this show and they hear my reasoning, not to mention our friend Best Mode replied and pointed out that they're. White spot pickles are soggy, and he even said this as somebody who likes white spot. They're often soggy and gross, and you know what? I didn't even consider that. I didn't even add that in. In terms of pickles, Chris, like, have you had a oh, good they're pickle? They're good pickle. This they're is a bad take. They're not a good pickle. What a joke. They're not a good pickle. I'm out, and I am surprised only 62% of people say good. Yeah, and, and that's without any context, Chris. Sure. So when they hear this conversation on Canucks Conversation... I'm hinting that we need to close it out here as we approach the hour 15 mark. Once they hear it, I'm I'm confident that more and more people are going to start siding with me. So your poll, your premature poll, put out no context. We'll see what people say. But we'll leave it there. Well, one reply I got to get to because we if people who listen to the radio the, show the one saw re- this. The one reply that gets to no, you. No, yeah, this is the one reply that gets me because we had him. He filled in for you one time on the weekend show, Josh Elliott Wolf, mm. SportsSense 650. He puts mayonnaise on steak. He said that on, on air, on the radio, uh, when he was filling in for you. His girlfriend will get a pile of pickles with gravy on the side. He's not talking about. No way. He's talking about pickles and gravy, right? He's not talking about that. Because, like, I've done some pretty bad food crimes, but I wouldn't go there. I'm not putting mayonnaise on steak. Like, he, like they're sitting down having dinner together, Josh and his girlfriend here. And she's got a, a bowl of pickles and gravy, and he's got a steak with mayonnaise on it. Match made Come in on. hell. Come on. Jeez, that's horrible. You All think right. he's serious? I don't know. I don't know if he's... Why? Never mind. All right, let's get out of here. I'm done with this now. The person who uh, replied to your, your tweets telling me to shut up. I, I, I'm ready to shut up now. I got to go spend some of this money now. Any idea what you're going to buy? Actually, a bunch uh, of white spot pickles. No, I bought two pairs of shoes already. Hmm. Two pairs of shoes. I bought a good pair for walking around. You know, good pair of Nikes for walking around. Then I bought uh, the high top Jordans. Wow. I got a pair of, uh, I don't think I bought Jordans since I was like, you know, grade eight and wearing a flat rim hat. So excited to wear those again. Nice pair. You know, the uh, classic looking red and white ones. It was seeming, seeming those pretty soon here. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll close it out there. Sure. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 